Previously on the Christian Hill Audio Experience, I talked about my story about how I gave up baseball to go and serve an LDS mission. And I mentioned briefly how I really didn't know why I wanted to serve a mission, but I knew I had to or I should serve a mission. And I felt like there really wasn't any other options that came to my mind. And if you remember in that pizza place, how the thought just kind of came to my mind. That was the that was the one thing that I came up with as an alternative to playing college baseball. And then I, I also mentioned that I was going to try and go and find the talk that I gave, my farewell talk in church, where it describes finally when I discovered why I should serve a mission. And so I forgot to go and ask my dad for it. So instead, I'm just going to read it the way it was because I still have the document saved of exactly, I read it word for word. I couldn't look up. I was crying so much when I was giving the talk. And so I just read it word for word at church. And so I'm just going to reread it to you. And I, and hopefully I, I don't cry that much in, in this podcast so you can understand everything about it. So stay tuned for this episode. It's going to be a quicker episode as I just, I'm just going to read through my talk and, and it's going to answer the question of why I decided to serve a mission And in the following episode, I'll go into more details and tell the story behind what it took to prepare to serve a mission. And then once I got on the mission, what it was really like and how beneficial it was for me and how it's really changed my life to become who I am now. So stay tuned, guys. And I'm excited to read this talk to you. And and I hope it really helps you understand why I decided to serve a mission. She said, Christian, I don't understand how you know what you want all the time. I said, hang out with me for a month and you'll know what you want too. Guys, this is hanging out with me, but the audio version. Welcome to the Christian Hill Audio Experience. Enjoy the show. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Seeing as I haven't been here for a while, some of you may not know that I've been called to serve in the Vancouver, Canada mission, Korean speaking. Now recently, it changed to Mandarin speaking. And to be honest with you, getting to this point physically, mentally, and spiritually has, well, let's just say, has been a real struggle. So thanks for dressing up for the occasion. Everyone, you know, wears a suit and tie at church. My whole life, I've been striving to become the best baseball player money can buy, literally. I've been to countless USA tournaments and showcases. I have played in multiple different states and some of the best club teams in the nation. I've been looked at by many MLB scouts, and one of them even prayed over me for my success all as a high school student. I eventually received a baseball scholarship from a top 10 junior college baseball team out out of 1,600 other schools, and we were ranked fourth in the country and located in southern Arizona, about one mile from the border of Mexico and 30 miles from any American civilization. Contrary to popular belief, junior college is a fast track to the major leagues because of the MLB first-year player draft rules. My dreams were becoming a reality until this happened. Almost exactly a year ago, I was coming home from probably the best and worst growing up experience of my life. And to think I only just started the journey. Playing baseball at that school and at that level is incredible, but there's a few sacrifices you have to make in order to be successful in the program. Number one, basic freedom to do whatever you want. Number two, mom's cooking. Seriously, there was nothing to do outside of school and baseball. Most of the parents out there were probably thinking, well, that doesn't sound too bad. You're there for education anyways. Well, let me tell you, when you only attend class three hours a day and have the rest of the day to do pretty much 
to just pretty much sit around with nothing to do, college students tend to get themselves into trouble. So one day, about three weeks into school, only three weeks, my dorm had a little incident. It was the first Sunday that I went to church in good old Douglas, Arizona, catching a ride with two LDS girls that owned a car. At mid-sacrament meeting, I get a voicemail um, from an RA, resident assistant, saying they need to go back to school immediately, and another message saying that they need consent to search my room. At, at this point, I'm pretty nervous and kind of mad knowing that my dorm had cops in it three weeks into school, and I'm realizing that this is going to be a long semester. So as soon as sacrament meeting was over and we went back to uh, the dorm, immediately upon arrival, two cops pointed at me and saying, there he is, there is the third guy. Me, wearing a suit and holding a Book of Mormon, I walked into my dorm and hesitant to give consent because I was rooming with the most frat-like guy on the team. So I wasn't for sure if he, you know, maybe put something on my half of the room or, or maybe placed something there that I didn't know about. But eventually, I gave consent and they didn't find anything in my room. Afterwards, they interrogated all of us that lived, they interrogated all, all of the people that lived in my dorm. And boy, oh boy, I was not about to take the fall for any of them. I ratted every single one of them out without blinking an eye. And my roommate got arrested and across the hall, he got arrested also. And both of them got sent home and I got my own room. So lesson learned, rat them out. Not really sure because after hearing what the, my roommate said about me to the cops, I felt reassured. They said things like, oh, Mormon kid, he has nothing to do with this. Yeah, Mormon, doesn't do this stuff. Mormon kid is the cleanest guy on campus, no worries about him. So yes, just being a kid that grew up in an LDS family and having a little common sense, I recognize that being that Mormon kid will come in handy every once in a while. So toward the end of the semester, after having a one-on-one -on -one coach player evaluation, basically a meeting where um, the coach tells you if you made the team or not, he told me that I was going to be starting behind the dish as a catcher 75% of the time. So obviously I'm very pleased with myself, telling myself that I've, I'm finally going to make it. But when semester was over and I went home for Christmas, I had a little bit of a wake-up call because of how much I missed being home and finally eating good food. And for whatever reason, I just told myself maybe going on a mission wouldn't be too bad. So I told my coach I wasn't coming back for Christmas, after Christmas break. He wasn't happy, as you can imagine, and so many mixed emotions, some things telling me um, within that you're throwing everything away to go on a mission and you don't even know why you're going, and then other emotions telling me that it's the right thing to do and to have a little faith. All my life, I've heard about how I should go on a mission, how it changed my life, how I'm stupid if I don't, how real men go on missions, how a mission is, is like an education on life. I hated hearing it. I'm a very independent person. I make my own decisions. I don't like to be influenced by others. I want something to be my, my decision and my decision only. So when I hear all these comments about missions and the more and the more I didn't want to go. Why? Number one, I thought that if I go on a mission that my baseball career would be over forever. And number two, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to. I was doing it because someone told me I should. The problem with my thinking, however, is that the fact is the fact that I was young and dumb, thought I had life figured out. Gonna go play college baseball, get drafted, make millions, period. Nowhere did I make time for God. That was the biggest mistake looking back on everything. The Lord said, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. So why couldn't I? Why wouldn't I? The whole time while I was in Arizona, not once did I turn to my Heavenly Father and ask for guidance or help for anything. I didn't even think about praying. And yet he still blessed me regardless 
even though I showed no appreciation. And now I realize that I was pretty dumb. It wasn't until I came home and realized all the many blessings that he had really provided me with and that I need to show my appreciation. I need to grow up and get a grip because there is a bigger picture out there that doesn't involve baseball and is so much bigger than that, so big that the mind can hardly comprehend it. The Lord doesn't give us any trials that we can't handle or figure out. Sometimes he makes us go through things that seem impossible, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. He wants us to grow stronger and tougher. He wants us to rely on him in all things. He wants, us, he wants to teach us how to be humble. He wants to teach us how to not worry about what the world thinks and start worrying about what he thinks about us. He wants to strengthen our faith in him. We just need to trust him. For those of you out there that are unsure about your purpose and unsure about what the whole point is, reach out to someone about it. Be vocal. Don't be afraid or stupid and prideful like me and think it's not a big deal. Go out, have faith, and convert yourself to your Heavenly Father, especially the younger people out there like me. The world is depending on us, and my parents, your parents, and the general authorities stand all amazed because we are the hope of Israel, and we're so young, 12, 13, 16, 19. And somehow, God would just know and have such great confidence to know that we have the ability to get the job done. It is definitely a marvelous work and a wonder. For those of you that are planning on serving a mission, or those of you who have served and those of you who have maybe become inactive or less active. And I'm not talking about those who just don't go to church all the time. You can go to church every Sunday and still be inactive. For those of you, there is, there is a reason for everything. And when I first decided to serve a mission, the first question Bishop asked me is, why do you want to go serve a mission? And you can rephrase that question to maybe, why do you come to church? And all the way until I and all the way until I listened to Elder Holland speak to the MTC on a YouTube video, did I finally come to realize and figure out why I wanted to serve a mission and why I should really do it. In the twenty first twenty first chapter of John it tells a story of Jesus and the apostles and specifically the head apostle Peter. However, the story doesn't just apply to the apostles. It applies to each and every one of us, and how blessed we are that it does. Once upon a time, after the Savior had lived his life of 33 years and had performed so many miracles and performed his ministry, shortly after his death and great sacrifice, Peter was distraught. He knew he was in charge. He knew he was the senior apostle. But now that Jesus is gone, people start asking questions. What do we do now? They have never asked that question before. But they were young apostles. We can give them the benefit of a doubt. The other apostles, all confused and not sure of anything anymore, turn to Peter and ask, Well, Peter, what do we do? And Peter says, Well, it's been great. We've seen many miracles. We've seen great teachings. We even saw him walk on water. Wasn't it great? Now let's go fishing. He didn't know what to do. It's all, it's all over. Jesus is gone. So let's do the thing that we know how to do. He found us fishing. So let's go. And they did. They went back to Galilee and fished and went fishing. And life was just going to go on. But something happened. It's early morning and they had been fishing all night with horrible luck. They hadn't caught one fish. And they see a figure of a man sitting on the shore with a little fire. And they hear him call out across the water. How's your fishing gone? They said, it's been horrible. We've caught nothing. Zero. Not even one fish. And so he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat, 
And if I were them, I would probably be thinking, who is this guy to tell me how to fish? And he's over there chilling on the beach with no care in the world. However, since they were young apostles, they probably didn't. They probably didn't. You know, they were probably a little bit more respectful. But because they were really desperate of a catch, they threw their nets to the right side and they couldn't pull the catch in. There were so many fish in the net, exactly 153. They counted. So many fish that, the, that they almost sunk the ship. And briefly after that moment, John said, it's him. It's him. And Peter, who didn't know how to react, looked at John and then looked at the Savior over on the shore and said, well, you, you guys can keep rowing if you want, but I'm going in. And he bailed over the side of the boat and started swimming. When they arrived to shore, the Savior had already cooked them breakfast. And they finished eating. And when they finished eating, Jesus started to interrogate Peter. And he said this, Peter, do you love me more than you love these fish and these nets and these boats? And Peter said, well, of course, Lord, you know I love you more than these. And a second time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than you love these fish and your nets? And Peter said, yes, I told you, I love thee more than these. And the Savior probably took a deep breath and smiled and looked Peter right in the eye. And he said a little bit more seriously, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? More than what you do? More than what you've just been doing? And Peter says, I do. I do love you more than anything. And that is the moment Peter became the great apostle. Right there in that moment, of being vulnerable. That moment he was most honest at heart. He became the apostle we hear so much about. Right then and there when he said, I do love thee more than anything. And to that, the savior of the world said, then feed my sheep. I have asked you before to leave your nets and I'm asking you again. And I don't want to ask a third time. When I said, leave your nets, it was forever. When I said to follow me, it was forever. Now, Christian, me, Brother Hill, leave baseball, leave the worldly things behind you, and follow me to the end and feed my sheep. And that is why I'm serving a mission, because I love him. I love the Savior. The question all of us are being asked by the Savior himself is, do you love me? Do you love me? Brothers and sisters, active, inactive, old, young, future missionary, return missionary. Do you love him? We cannot become the people we want to be without him. We cannot become great unless we love him. It's the greatest commandment of them all. Jesus saved us all. So the least we can do is tell people about it. The least that I can do is feed his sheep. Brothers and sisters, the Lord loves each and every one of us, and he is calling for some appreciation. He knows that we are not perfect. He knows that we're going to screw up, and he knows that, the, that he knows that the trials are hard. But are we really that blind to the blessings he has given us? If so, then we really need to pull off the blindfold, open our eyes, and open our hearts because we don't have to look very hard to recognize it. Brothers and sisters, I know this church is true. And it is the true church of God. 
And I know that the Book of Mormon is another testament of our Savior Jesus Christ, and I know that we can accomplish anything if God is on our side. We just need to have a little faith. I pray that we can be all like Peter and love the Savior with a sincere and honest heart and be true disciples of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for listening, guys. That is my farewell talk that I gave. What's the date? January 2016. So that's been a little little ways, a little while ago. And, and that is why I decided to serve a mission because I simply love Jesus Christ. I love what he's done for me in my life. And I'm so forever grateful and indebted to him. And he truly is the master, the master teacher. And all the good things that have come to me in my life thus far have all come because I decided to serve a mission. And I I would even add to that that it wasn't just because I served a mission that all the great things came. It was because I served a mission because I just simply love Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. I want to serve him. I want to do the things that he wants me to do so that I can become like him, right? And so that's why I served a mission, and I'm grateful if you made it this far listening to that. Um, there might have been, may have been a couple things there that you've already, you've already heard from previous episodes, but I'm grateful that you're able to listen. So tune into the next episode where I'm going to talk about the actual preparation process of becoming a missionary. And then after that, I'm going to dive deep into the really, really key and pivotal experiences that I had on my mission that have changed me and and turned me into who I am now. So thank you so much, guys, and we will see you next time.